Atlantis, king of the sea. Where the danger is, that's where he'll be. Always defending you, yeah, you and me. Hey there folks and welcome to another episode of the formerly known as Eddie and Caleb Hero Cast. Just Eddie and his amazing friends now until uh, Caleb becomes unblipped. And we are uh, joined today by friend of the week. He's been on before. He's, I guess, the DC, the, the go-to guy for, for DC movies. And that would be Simon, who you can follow at Simon... Uh, no, sorry, SGC Speaks on Twitter. that right? Yes. Yep, that's about right. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no problem. And you can follow us at Twitter at EC underscore Hero on Instagram, EC HeroCast. And yeah, today is Aquaman from 2018. How about that? Uh, when we still had hope. Yeah. I have to ask, <laughs> before we even proceed... Um, did you ever watch the show Entourage? <laughs> um, no, I did not. No, what? they do a um, they do a fake. Well, it's about a fake movie star, but uh, everyone else is real. So they have uh the character, the main character, uh, Vincent Chase. He gets to play Aquaman, directed by James Cameron, who ironically hates superhero movies, even though all of his movies are big budget, a lot of special effects, flimsy plot movies, but uh, yeah, he directed Aquaman, and it beat uh, the original Spider-Man for biggest opening box office weekend, so that was fun. That somehow feels personal. Yeah. Honestly, it was uh, it was one of my favorite plots of the show, Entourage, for the, the Aquaman part. I liked that. See. But uh, that was not real, so James Cameron would never direct a superhero movie, apparently. But uh, yeah, this came out in December of 2018 as we open our time capsule. Let's see. December of 2018. So, got my uh, all my stuff here. Our champions, our WWE champ was Daniel Bryan. Universal was Brock Lesnar. Uh, NXT was Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, Raw Women's Champion is Ronda Rousey. SmackDown Women's is Asuka. NXT Women's is Rhea Ripley. IWGP is still Kenny Omega. And the number one song was Thank You, Next, by Ariana Grande. (laughs) So there you go. Uh, Back in December of 2018... Let's see. I had attended an indie show, actually. It was an AIW show. And check out this card. This was something. It featured MJF versus Hornswoggle. 
uh, Laparca, the original from WCW. I think he was L.A. Park or whatever, but he uh, he fought Nick Gage, and then Eddie Kingston versus Eddie Gilbert, Battle of the Eddies in the main event, which was actually a very good match. But I think it was a ladder match too. Huh. Yeah. Man. Good times. Good times. Um, history with this movie. I've only seen it one time, and that was in theater. Uh, yeah, uh, same for me. Um, I'm trying to look up exactly when the, this other movie came out because I just checked my uh, tickets and everything from a few years ago, and I know I saw this one first. I just want to double check to make sure that time is right. Um, yeah, I think so. So... I, my birthday is on December 20th. Oh. And so I had the option between seeing this movie and then seeing uh, Into the Spider-Verse, which had came out about a week prior. On my birthday, I went to go see Into the Spider-Verse, but I'm pretty sure I got around to seeing this movie um, during my winter break because in 2018, I was still in grad school, so I had plenty of time to myself when I wasn't working. And... Uh, I'm glad, I'm glad I did go see this movie in theaters because, honestly, it was definitely worth it. Well, yeah, yeah. Spider-Verse is uh, it's next week if you want to join for that. <laughs> hmm. I just might have to take you up on that. Well, um, yeah, I'd asked uh, someone else, but they are unsure, so you snooze, you lose. So, <laughs> uh, But, yeah, this was, um, what was I going to say? I saw this in theater and... Um, Oh, actually, that was uh, I was going to relate that to the cast, so I'll do that later. Uh, the facts and figures of this movie did way better than I thought it did. Uh, I don't remember this uh, doing so well, but uh, this is, um, I guess this kind of broke the DC stigma that they don't make money, because the budget, $160 million, although it's probably a lot higher, I think $205 million, but go with 160 i always go with what imdb tells me and box office 1.149 billion man yeah Yeah, this was (laughs) absolutely this was the uh heavy hitter for and honestly if i'm not mistaken still is the heavy hitter at least for the dceu section of dc films Um, yeah they needed this (laughs) absolutely just just, do, just tracking back in time. Man of Steel made good money, but they spent a lot of money to make it. Mm-hmm. Same with... Uh, I almost want to say the same for Batman v Superman, but because Wonder Brothers was expecting a billion dollars, that kind of uh, tarnishes how much that... Uh, how good the money they made is, especially considering you double the budget typically for marketing and everything else. Suicide Squad somehow made money, despite being a, a train wreck. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then there was then there was Wonder Woman and of course the Justice League. So up until now we've had, I think most people could agree that Man of Steel was at least a, a, a decent movie, and then Wonder Woman is the one that people like. So so far we've had what two out of five? Yeah, about that. Christ, <laughs> not not great. But yeah, Aquaman is number seven on our list at nine hundred eighty nine million. It's one point one nine five billion if you adjust for the inflation. It is right below Iron Man 3 and right above Captain America Civil War. 
but yes, it's like I said, it's number seven. Wonder Woman fourteen. Uh, Batman vs Superman is twenty. Suicide Squad is twenty three. Um, Man of Steel is thirty six. So yeah, it's. Uh, I'm not mistaken. This was in like the top five for worldwide box office that year. Oh, I'm sure it was. Yeah, it had to be. I mean, if Infinity War came out that year, and that's number one on our list. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely, yep. Infinity War, number one. Black Panther, number two. Jurassic World, Incredibles 2. And there goes Aquaman. This was big, too. Yeah, and uh, critics were, you know, 65%. Not not terrible. Fans, 72%. So, almost agreed. Most seem to enjoy it all right. Um, but yeah, so we can jump into the cast. We've got, um, oh man, <laughs> the bane of my existence every time I go to the theater. I don't know if you go to an AMC normally, but Nicole Kidman as Atlanta. <laughs> oh man, uh, I, I'm not laughing at her. I'm just laughing at these names because now I remembered one of the problems I had with it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, she, uh, as far as I can recall, her role in this was played pretty well. A, a short role, but solid. Now, do you, when you normally go to the theater, is it a Regal or an AMC or something else? Or? It's typically an AMC theater. Oh, so you do get the Nicole Kidman ad, the, the cult prayer. <laughs> Yeah, I think so. Every I think I've seen it every once in a while. They tend to rotate them sometimes. Yeah, oh, not at mine. It's the same one every time. <laughs> um, let's see. Not. <laughs> I didn't think we'd see him after Punisher, which, uh, by the way, R.I.P. to uh, I guess the third Punisher we reviewed, the third Punisher movie, um, to the third Frank Castle on our podcast, but. The first Frank Castle, I was, I f- completely forgot was in it. Dolph Lundgren, that's <laughs> King Nearest. Um, but yeah, he was there. Um, don't have much to say about him. Uh, Patrick Wilson plays one of the villains, Orm Marius. So, not uh, not your typical villain, but I thought he did pretty good overall. I was really impressed. Um... I, I, I like the, I liked a lot of his uh, delivery, especially when interacting with um, Jason Momoa. A lot of, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have any. I was honestly su- surprised as to how good he was and how. It, I think I think the only thing they really didn't plan out well was the motivation aspect, but ultimately I thought it was pretty. I thought his performance was really great. Yeah, I think all he wanted is just because humans pollute the ocean so that was it <laughs> but i don't know i mean atlanta seemed pretty clean yeah that was the only thing it seemed like he was just like one day he just flipped the coin is like all right it's time to uh take re- take vengeance on the surface world for creating my brother and everything else and it's like that's not really a strong motivation to... <laughs> uh one of my favorite villains from the Super Friends cartoon from way back in the day. Um, I'm going to try to pronounce this. Let's see. 
Yaha Abdul Mateen II as David Kane, Black Manta. I you was, didn't really... Did oh, go ahead? Well, I was saying, I was glad that uh, we got Black Manta on the screen, because I always thought he looked cool. He had the, um, you know, the Devil Ray look to him, the helmet, and... I was glad that he doesn't get killed, so there's going to be more of them, I suppose, in the next movie, which I guess is comes out in December. Uh, but yeah, I thought he did pretty cool, and uh, I, you know, he gave the villain got some some good motivation, even though he was a bad person. But uh, you know, I yeah, I, the, I like it. Yeah, he uh, he definitely he definitely sells like this hardened. It's funny because he's able to sell this hard and uh, battle-tested guy who knows that any day his life can end. And then when you, the, the expression on his face when his father dies is really what sold me as being motivated to see him. So I was slightly disappointed that we didn't see more of him because they do the most setup. Well, I wouldn't say the most. I would say that this, the setup of him was really, really strong. And I thought he was going to have a bigger impact on the movie than he did. But if they were saving him for a, for a sequel, and this is a, just a teaser or a taste of what we're going to get, then I'm okay. Yeah, I'll be curious to see what he does in future movies, because he seems like he'd have been a good fit in the whatever Zack Snyder was doing with, um, I don't know, um, they had, oh gosh, who was it at the end of... Uh, Batman v Superman. It was Lex Luthor, and then he had uh, was it Kill uh, Dead or uh, Kill Shot? I think or Bulls. Uh, whoever that you're guy talking was. about, uh, Zack Snyder's Justice League, right? Yeah. Uh, he had. Um... Wait, are you talking about the uh, Green Lantern thing, or? Well, it was the end credits of uh, Batman. It was like Lex Luthor's on his yacht, and then he brings aboard um, like this hitman. Um, Deadpool, not dead. Oh, oh God, Deathstroke. <laughs> yeah, Deathstroke. That was it. That'd be really crossing the dimensions. Um, yeah, he seemed Black Man seemed like he'd be destined for that group, and maybe Joker was in it. I don't know. That was the deleted scene from the Snyder Cut, which we'll get into. But... I, get, I get what you're talking about. Um, the the Injustice League. Now, I, now I get you. Yeah, or the Legion of Doom, what they were called on the Super Friends. Um, yeah, I. Yeah, he could have fit in there, I suppose, but who knows if we'll get that. Um, let's see, we've got uh, another crossover. Willem Dafoe jumping over to DC from the MCU is uh, uh, Noida. Oh gosh, new. Just call him Volko because I don't know. <laughs> I can't pronounce that first name. <laughs> yeah, it was really good seeing him. Uh... Play a good guy in a comic book movie. Yeah, that's true. And he, <laughs> they did use some obvious de-aging uh, CGI on his face, but that's okay. That's okay. Which reminded me, we never brought up the fact that uh, Clark Kent had a CGI upper lip in uh, Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> or no, uh, sorry, uh, not Batman vs. Superman, um, Justice League. Yeah. It's funny because, just making a quick caveat to that, when I watched the movie the first time, it only was really noticeable when it was like a, clearly some attempt at a smile that just looked wrong. Um, 
Uh, but the second time I watched it, once people pointed out, I was like, oh, God. Yeah, I did. Especially, when you, yeah. especially if you got time to pause it at a certain point. Yeah, and if you don't know, he was uh, the actor, was had to grow a beard for another movie, and I think they needed to do reshoots or something. So Was it just, Mission Impossible, I think? It might have been. So they just CGI'd his beard away. It's <laughs> uh, funny. Um, so this is an interesting one. Amber Heard joins the... Uh, the podcast Ooh. as Mira, man, Amber Heard, who I guess now shops at Target, but nothing wrong with that. But uh, apparently a little short on funds these days. But yeah. here she was. <laughs> oh, I have man. nothing. I have nothing good to say. Nothing. <laughs> well, well, as an actor, as an actress, she was uh, okay. I yeah, mean, I would say she's okay. As a person, not so much. And yep, uh, and I, I think we can just leave it at that. Yeah, I mean, we. I don't. Did they recast her in the new one or not? I don't think they did. Or there were talks about it, but ultimately, as far as I'm concerned, no, they didn't. Oh well, I guess she needs the money, but. Uh, <laughs> yeah, her and Ezra Miller just. Making that DC money, although I think he's probably, his days are numbered. <laughs> and then our main event, who, uh, if you haven't seen Fast 10, just see it for him alone. Like, one of my favorite villain performances in a movie ever. But it is Jason Momoa as Arthur Curry slash Aquaman. And, uh, you know, growing up, Aquaman was always a dork. I mean... It was hard to make someone who talks to fish cool, and he looked like, um, I mean, just the outfit looked kind of dorky. He was this clean-cut guy with the blonde hair, with the combed hair. So they had to, they had to really change it up, and uh, I would say they definitely succeeded at that. And, you know, Jason Momoa, a couple months ago, Caleb and I had a, like, who, who out of all the people, all the movies that we've reviewed... Which actor, if they weren't an actor, would you want to hang out with the most? And I think we we narrowed it down to, like, Paul Rudd, uh, maybe Will Smith, depending on his attitude that day, and The Rock. But feels like Jason Momoa needs some consideration. It's hard to pull off the, uh, it's hard to pull off the guys want to hang out with you, but they don't care that all the girls want to sleep with you. Like, most times... When all the girls want to sleep with the guy, they don't like that guy because it's like less less girls for us. But Jace Momoa, I think, bucks <laughs> that trend, and uh, you know he pulls it off here. It's uh, does a does a nice job with this. For that beer scene alone, uh, absolutely hanging out with uh, Jason Momoa sounds like a lot of fun. Um, I really, <laughs> it's so funny that his first appearance in the DCEU comes from a damn computer screen. <laughs> um, <laughs> that thanks, was the laziest for, Easter egg ever. Yeah, thanks for that, Batman versus Superman. I can pause the movie on my own. I don't need you to do it for me. Um, <laughs> but uh, his appearance in Justice League, both versions, I would, he's, he wasn't really the main focus in either. I would say they did a good enough job of getting us in, interested in him as a character. and It, it gave us a 
taste of his powers, but in this movie, they really lay into it. Not only the powers he has, but the powers that Atlanteans tend to tend to have, basically being uh, metahumans. So that, that strength, that ability to see in the dark and all these other things, I'm really glad they emphasize that. Cause it, and, and the other thing I really like about this is one of the things that is underrated about Aquaman, just because of how often he appears outside of the water, is his strength. Because outside of the water, he's basically uh, basically like Captain America or somebody. He's like, yeah, he's strong, but his strength has the limits versus in the sea, he's basically Superman. And I think the opening scene where he pushes that um, that submarine to the surface is a great example of that. And Jason Momoa's performance in this movie was well, sometimes I feel like he wasn't being as a, he wasn't conveying emotion in the way he needed to. But overall, you got that sense of fun. Uh, and invigoration and that energy that he had it clearly carried through through his um, overall performance. Really, really good. Yeah, he's definitely fun, if nothing else. I mean, that's I've been telling people just to see Fast Ten just because of him alone. Like the, I mean, everything is preposterous as you would expect in that movie. There's, you know, cars that just never blow up and things like that. But uh, yeah, I uh, I thought it was. He, he does uh, a very nice job with that. Um, what was I going to... Oh, yeah, he... Uh, I don't know if he's done with Aquaman or not. Uh, or they might just switch him over to uh, Lobo. But either way, it seems like he's staying with the DC Universe. So that's cool. That, that's a very wise decision. Yeah, he, he seems like he'd be fine doing that. Like, I don't know much about Lobo, but he, he looks like him. So Or just do both. Why not? <laughs> yeah, I've... I know just a vague amount about him. Not only does he look like him, I would say he kind of acts like him in some of the roles he has. Um, and honestly, the dream casting, he's probably the first person I would think of. So, uh, and because he's an alien, you can dress him up a little bit differently. You can cover him up in a little bit more makeup. And you can still have um, Jason Momoa's Aquaman. And you can, just have, you can just have that in whatever mission he's on or... Whatever the situation is, Aquaman is just busy doing something else. Yeah. No boot, no problem. I don't know. Well, we don't know if there even will be one in Aquaman, so... <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? Well, we, uh... We can jump into the plot here. We open in Amnesty Bay, Maine in 1985. During a real bad storm, we see a woman washed up on the shore by a lighthouse... And long story short, some time elapses. The woman is from Atlantis. It is uh, Atlanta. And she ends up falling in love with the uh, the lighthouse keeper. And that would be uh, Tom. The uh, And, you know, they fall in love. They have a son. That, of course, is Arthur. And then one day, some guards, they barge into the house. They demand Atlanta come with them. She kills them, or think they were robots. Doesn't matter. Either way, she decides to Actually, go back. I, I'm pretty sure those are people. Oh, were they? <laughs> well, they... Yeah, some of the people from Atlantis can stay above water, but others have to wear, like, a mask filled with water because they can't breathe air. 
I'm not sure what who decides who can and who can't, but uh, I think it's kind of built into like the whole tribes and the aesthetics they have with that. Um, I'm guessing it's the tri- it's I'm guessing it's that tribe of people from either or Orm's camp or King Narius's because the, uh, cause those are the other. Well, actually, no, because I think I've seen people from both who need those breather mask. Yeah, well, mm. Orm definitely could not. That was clear. Hmm. <laughs> but but wasn't he uh, breathing at the end on, on on the land? Well, yeah, he did, but he was kind of like choking, and then he vomited up a bunch of water. So I'm not sure what that was supposed to be. But every time he appeared on land, he was always wearing. Actually, he was usually just a water hologram. So. I don't know. <laughs> anyway. So, I guess those were people. But, yeah, she decides to go back because they're just going to keep coming and they want her back because she ditched out on an arranged marriage and fell in love with a human, which is not allowed. So, fast forward a little bit. At the Boston Aquarium, there's a young Arthur. He discovers his ability to communicate with fish. Um, you know... It's not as lame as uh, sounds. I know uh, South Park has their Seaman character, which is a parody of Aquaman, but, you know, the communicating with fish doesn't play a huge role in this movie. It does at the end, but uh, not a huge role otherwise. Yeah. Uh, um, These first ten minutes were, looking back at it recently, just really so... There was this trend on Twitter talking about when did you know that you were in good hands with a movie? And honestly, I would say the first 10 minutes of this film really sell you on the type of uh, film this is going to be. The first thing I like about this movie was like they show darkness with the whole lighthouse and everything with the thunderstorm. But darkness didn't mean a lack of color for them. It's been one of my biggest criticisms of a lot of the DCEU the great cinematography, the sound editing, the music, everything else, like and the CGI and these like and that fight scene with uh, Atlanta and that name I'm still not used to, <laughs> but uh, the, that fight scene with her was just a really good introduction to the type of action we we're gonna keep getting. Um, even the scene with Arthur demonstrating his powers, it was pretty good with the exception of watching these. Clearly, twelve and thirteen year olds pick on a seven year old boy. <laughs> yeah, I'm glad you mentioned all that. I, I thought uh, first ten minutes of this was well paced, and you know it's an origin story, but they got the origin out of the way. Where sometimes movies could spend half the movie on the origin alone. So, um, I'm glad we just got it done and over with. Uh, then we fast forward to the present day, where a sub is being hijacked by a pirate and their leader, David Kane, who, uh, he's the captain now, and he kills the captain. But during the heist, Kane's dad tells him about his little bit of a exposition here. He's like, you know, your grandfather, he was an old Navy SEAL, and then he came back, and he, um... You know, the the government turned his back on him, so he lived on the sea and was a pirate, and now we're pirates. And anyway, he gives him his sword, and he's like, oh, by the way, his name was Manta. But they called him the Manta because he was a great swimmer. So he gives yeah. him his sword. <laughs> that backstory really should have take, really taken place before <laughs> the dangerous mission that's probably time-sensitive. 
considering they sent out a beacon. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's really my only complaint with this scene, but that's kind of stupid. Well, like, just then, the sub is pushed out of the water by Aquaman. And he boards the sub and takes out the guards. He finally gets to Kane. The two fight. Aquaman wins fairly easily. But Kane's dad blasts him pretty good with some weapon. But uh, Aquaman gets up. He traps him under this big, I guess it was a torpedo. And as the sub that springs a leak, it's starting to sink. And Kane's begging him to help his dad, and he's like, "You killed innocent people. Like, this, let the sea will beg the sea for mercy, or something like that." And just leaves him there. So, yeah. Um, um, yeah. The the dad ends up just telling his son to get out and blows himself up, which uh, I'd do over that. I, I think drowning would be one of the worst ways to go. Yeah, absolutely. So this I'd scene not... was. Go ahead. I'd much rather blow myself up. <laughs> Quick. Uh, yeah. This is, again, like I just said earlier, Superman of the Sea. They really sold that by Aquaman. You see how strong he is compared to everybody else. Bullets are basically bouncing off of him. Um, it, it does tend to annoy him or maybe slightly hurt him, but not enough to really put him down. And then we even get a tease at what one of his weaknesses is when his father shoots when uh David Kane's fa- father shoots him with that, uh, whatever that is. Maybe it was a, you know, I'm not even going to uh, try, try and figure it out. Point is, it had a little explosion that came with it, knocked, knocked the wind out of uh, Aquaman for a second. Shows you that he's weak to fire-based weapons. Yeah. And I think, and while the exposition was a little rushed between the father and the son, I think what really sold... The dynamic for me was what we just you just mentioned, him pulling that uh, bomb and setting it off to ensure that his son got out of there and made sure that he survived. And like I said earlier, that look on David Kane's face, he grieved, he grieved for like three seconds and then immediately got focused on getting his revenge, probably hearing the last words his father said to him, you need to live so you can go kill that son of a bitch. Really great stuff. I do love when uh, villains... I mean, it's like, you guys wouldn't have been in this situation if you didn't rob this sub. So, I do love their backwards logic, but it's good. So, back in Atlantis, the new king is uh, Aquaman's half-brother, King Orm Marius. He wants to unite these four kingdoms and invade the surface people for polluting the oceans. And as this happens, there's a sub-attack... But they easily destroy it, no problem. And then uh, Orm just is like, you know, this proves my point. The attack's already coming, which, uh, very dubious timing. (laughs) So back on the surface, Mira just shows up and she finds Aquaman and tells him that he needs to return to Atlantis and become the new king. And if he obtains this mysterious trident, people will listen to him, but he declines... And he's uh, not even sure who this person is, but later on, we see Orm had uh, Kane send the sub for money, so a false flag operation. So he's in cahoots with the Atlanteans. Then the news starts covering this, and there's one guy who was on the news, and they're like, oh, you and your crazy Atlantis theory. 
And I'm just thinking, like, how is this a crazy theory? Like, people know Aquaman exists. Like, there's people that ask for a selfie with him in a bar. Aliens have invaded Earth twice. Not, about <laughs> not counting Superman, so we know it, Superman, Superman exists. There's, uh, I mean, who, um, yeah, Zod invaded, and then uh, who was the other one? Stephen Wolf. So, is it really that crazy that Atlantis exists too? I mean, there were witnesses in both versions of Zack Snyder's Justice League, <laughs> both the one that Joss Whedon took over and the one that was created just for HBO Max, which showcased witnesses to a man bearing a trident. I yeah. guess he just—I guess he was just a cosplayer who, who they needed to help fight, right? And like I said, they know <laughs> Aquaman exists. He's, he's got to be from somewhere, right? Why is this Atlantis a crazy theory? Why are they like... I don't know. It's the fact that Superman exists is more than enough proof to ease that's, up on calling something crazy. That's you should, true. Even if you don't believe it, you should be able to be like, it's just a, it's just a theory, man. It was like in... Uh, did you ever watch the show um, Supernatural? A little bit, I think. Uh, I, I didn't follow it all the way through, though. Yeah, it was, I think it was, like, season four, when they were talking about, like, oh, this is angels, and they're like, there's no such thing as angels. It's like, you guys fight demons all the time, and werewolves and zombies and all this stuff, but angels is like, well, that's crazy. Like, okay, I don't know, but I just hate when, like, it, like Atlantis is not that crazy of a theory in this world. Anyway, we cut to flashbacks of Aquaman, who this whole time was actually secret be- secretly being trained by Volko. That's why he's not just a normal human. Uh, and after Mira saves Aquaman's dad from a car wreck, he agrees to uh, help her. And they go to Atlantis, and Volko tells him about the, uh, the lost trident and why Atlantis needs Aquaman as its king. Some Atlantis guards find them. They bust them for illegally entering Atlantis. And Aquaman gets beat, and Mira leaves her man as usual. So Aquaman then challenges his brother to combat for the crown, I guess, sort of. Yeah, let me... Yeah, right off the bat, there was a lot of really... There was a lot of transitions in this movie, but they were all good. So I was not complaining at all. Like you see the pet, the circling, the circling of the camera behind Mira and Arthur, to Volca and Arthur as he reminisces on the first time he learns to swim, learns about his abilities, and I'm and it's always a great, uh, it's always great to see a character who is foreign to a world get introduced to it because by proxy we can get introduced to it naturally without it sounding like, hey, this place exists, this, you are here now. We do this and X, Y, and Z. It's, it comes off as a conversation to somebody who is genuinely unfamiliar. Um, yeah, and another great fight scene. Just I, I haven't. There hasn't been a bad one yet. Yeah, I, I liked it. Um, I especially liked the touch that they threw in about um, Volko secretly training him. That way we kind of cover our bases as far as why he, you know, born on land, but why he has all these 
you know, ocean powers. So I like that they included that. Um, yeah, so, like I said, some Atlantis guards find him, and he challenges them to, uh, you know, like a, a, a battle, and whoever wins be, can be king. And Volko tells Aquaman, he's like, look, you don't stand a chance, because, you know, I trained you, and you remembered everything, but Orm, you know, he's been fighting underwater his whole life, so he'll beat you, and Aquaman's like, eh, nah. Then we cut to another flashback of Volko tells Aquaman his mom was executed for having him with a human, which uh, will not be the case, but we think so now. So yeah, yeah, really quickly, I don't have many pet peeves with the acting in this movie. I couldn't stand this teenage guy they got <laughs> to play him. <laughs> he looked like a young Jason Momoa. I'll say that. Absolutely. They got the visual aspect of the casting done. But boy, should they have had somebody dub his lines. Because <laughs> my God. Not he, impressive. Every <laughs> I've seen school plays in high school with better acting. Oof. I wonder what he's up to these days, the young Aquaman. Let's see if he's even on... Uh, let's see... I don't I see his, him on the cast list. I believe his name is uh, Kikoa Kikumano. Or Mano. Yeah, he's uh, he's he's, he's apparently been acting in a few TV things and other projects. He's been in Aquaman, A Midsummer's Hawaiian Dream, whatever that is. Uh, he mm-hmm. seems to be. He was in Hawaii Five O. He seems to be a Hawaiian-based actor, and tends to do a lot of uh, Hawaiian-based projects. Well, so, you know, I, good for him, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So Aquaman and Orm they have their battle in the Ring of Fire. Aquaman doesn't do so well. Orm breaks his trident and claims victory. He's about to kill him when Mira saves him, and they escape. And then Orm sends out a party to find them. But I uh, should mention King Miris, or uh, rather, Mira is King Miris's daughter. And he's like, you know, obviously don't kill my daughter. If you want to really unite these kingdoms, that would make me very upset. So Orm is like, yep, don't, uh, don't kill his daughter. Bring her back unharmed. But later, that will, uh, well, we'll get to that when we get to it. Which... <laughs> Meanwhile, Aquaman and Mira end up in a desert. So, Orm then meets with Kane, gives him Atlantean weapons, and says, uh, you know, I can't kill Mira, but you could. So. Which is funny, because then he gives his elite guards to him to not only show him how the technology works, but to apprehend and kill Mira and uh, Aquaman. I noticed that. <laughs> but if the whole point is to do this and get away with it, wouldn't it just make sense to, I don't know, not give him the elite army also? That's what I thought. I don't or, know. Or at I least mean, dress them up in new gear or something. I, yeah, I don't know. I just thought that was strange. Uh, but, you know, whatever. <laughs> Anyway, he uh, one of the weapons it was uh, a, it's like it converts water to pure energy and they blow up like a little 
rock in the ocean to prove it. And uh, Kane, being this uh, genius, this Tony Stark-level genius, just turns that cannon into a mask. <laughs> okay, sure. Um, it's the classic Black Manta mask, rather. Actually, he first ruins the first mask. He's like, oh, I'll need a bigger one. Yeah. But uh, back in the desert, Aquaman and Mira find an underground temple, which gives them directions to find the trident. Which I did yeah. love when Aquaman's like, look what I found. <laughs> which She led him there, he just fell in a hole, and then he's like, look what I found. That made me laugh. Yeah. Uh, There's a, a lot going on with this scene. With them in the, de- the desert until they go underground. Like I said, the CGI in this film is really solid for the most part. It's in this scene specifically where it looks its absolute weakest. This looks like the world's earliest version of the green screen. It is so obvious they are not really there. Um, every, every, the sky looks completely phony. It just it, That part didn't really work well. And also, kind of caught to come in on the score a little bit. Music in this was fine until I heard that god-awful version of Africa by Toto. <laughs> what the hell was that? I do remember that, yeah. That was uh, that was odd. Leave uh, classics alone, please. Yeah, and I think I I mentioned I want to say it was Captain America: Civil War when I said CGI is kind of at its peak in movies, and I think we're winding down. I mean, I know we got a few more that are going to be good, but yeah, I mean, and look, I know it'll get better at some point. The problem is they just overwork the people, so. Or at least yeah. Marvel does, or they did. They fired the person that was doing that, so hopefully they stop. But yeah, hopefully it'll get back to being better because it doesn't make sense that CGI already peaked. It's like shouldn't technology improve? But apparently not. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. So yeah, they get uh, they find a place. They needed direct. They needed directions to find the place to get directions to the trident. So, one of those deals. Yeah, very fetch questy. Yep. And elsewhere, Orm meets with the fish people. Kingdom, I guess. He kills their leader to take over. It was a pretty easy takeover of them. <laughs> they did not put up much of a fight. Uh, back on the surface, Aquaman locates the trident. Or, sorry, the location of the trident. It was... It's like a cracked bottle, and then you put the bottle in the statue's hands, and then you look through the bottle, and then it points to where it is. So, But he finds where it will be, but he is ambushed by Black Manta, who I must say looks great. I thought he yeah. looked really cool. Yeah, uh, this, this is preceded by the third explosion interruption sequence. <laughs> uh, James Wan really liked doing that in this movie. So every time somebody's talking, it's boom. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom. It, I feel like the only time it was really appropriate was the first one with uh, King Narius and King Orm. At, at this point is when I really started to notice it, and I was just like, you know, you could just have him. I get it, it's supposed to be a sneak attack, so it's fine. <laughs> but I, I, it, it just felt like they played their hand a little bit too much with that. But switching over to Black Manta, absolutely, he looked really, really good. Um, it's very rare that uh, superhero costumes are translated 
well, really well the first time. It's really a mixed bag sometimes because some people will look at one costume and go, eh, this color doesn't look right. Let's switch it to something else or a bu bunch of other things. Thankfully, Black Manta's costume is relatively simple. It's basically just a diver suit with a, with kind of like a bug-shaped uh, uh, mask. So they were able to translate that really well. And that fire weakness really that they showed earlier in the film really comes into play backed by that Atlantean technology. This is a this is a, a, the, the next great fight. <laughs> yeah, this was my favorite fight in the movie. Um, yeah, old Black Panther, uh, Black Panther, Black Manta does do a, a number on <laughs> on old Arthur. Me, hey, I wouldn't. Even, I understand you can you uh, accidentally saying Black Panther because there's a lot. I got a lot of Wakandan vibes when they gave the backstory of about Atlantis and how technologically advanced they were before the rest of the world. And two and two family members fighting for the throne and a bunch of. I'm I'm convinced that somebody had an idea and went to somebody else, <laughs> but uh, those movies are really similar. Yeah, they are, and there is an Atlantis in Black Panther. So, but yes, <laughs> I mean the word black followed by an animal. It's uh, you know, I guess manta ray, and that that's an animal. Sure, I think it is. Um, but yeah, he does a number on old Arthur. And uh, ultimately, Aquaman does win. He tosses him into the ocean. <laughs> so, But uh, back in the water, Orm tells Volko that he knows he betrayed him, and then he is in prison, but make sure he gets a view. Back with Aquaman and Mira, they're in a boat that she's just stole from the dock, and they get attacked by the sea creatures that uh, they kind of teased earlier in the movie called the Trench... It's like, what about the Trench Kingdom? Like, oh, they won't do anything. They're just mindless monsters, which they were. But uh, they also don't like light, so they lit a flare and escaped. Barely. There was like a million of them. And they find an island where the Trident is, but who should be there but Arthur's mom? She she didn't die. How about that? She barely aged, too. <laughs> That's true. Well, Nicole Kidman will, will do that. I think uh, Tom Cruise rubbed off on her. <laughs> so she leads him to the Trident, uh, but before he can take it, there's yet another obstacle he's got to overcome. It is this big sea monster. It tells him he doesn't deserve it, and because he's Aquaman, the sea monster can understand him and vice versa. And the sea monster's like, oh, wow, no one's been able to understand me before. Which, uh, I just assumed the sea monster was speaking to him, and, like, we could all hear him, but apparently the sea monster just talks to himself, so, or herself, I think it was a female, but just talks to herself, and, uh, <laughs> meanwhile Aquaman could just hear everything she was saying. But he agrees, he's like, yeah, you know, I'm not, uh, probably not worthy, but, you know, here's my qualifications, and then she's like, well, if you can... Take it from the skeleton's grip. No one's been able to do that, which was, it's like, he easily did. I don't know why we needed to yeah, add yet another hurdle, but whatever. Then he emerges from the cave in the traditional Aquaman suit. Looked pretty cool, I must say, which is hard to pull off, because uh, it could have very easily gone dorky. But Yeah, because when you... When everybody thinks of the traditional Aquaman suit, you think of, you probably more than likely think of the one... From Super Friends, 
Yep, and... the scales, the gold scales, like a goldfish. <laughs> yeah, and in that one, it absolutely looks corny. But here, I don't, I don't, I, I still don't know how they pulled it off. He doesn't look, he looks a little odd, but he doesn't look stupid. Uh, they deserve all the credit in the world for how they were able to portray his costume. Because when you think about his costume, it's typically the Super Friends design. And in that one, he's got the the kind of lame looking or basic haircut. With the, and you think about him, uh, it just really doesn't look that intimidating. It honestly kind of looks goofy. But here, he doesn't look, he does look a little odd, but he doesn't look stupid. And being able to pull that off is an amazing uh, accomplishment, honestly, because most people would have probably just forego the whole costume design. If you think about Aquaman in the <clears throat> DC animated universe from created by Bruce Timm, and it's abundantly clear that they were they didn't even try. They're like just give him green pants and he'll peep and let him come out the water. People will know. But here, it works. Well, it's funny. The only other live action Aquaman costume is the one from Entourage, and. The first time they reveal it, it looks dorky on purpose. And I think they purposely picked Aquaman because he's kind of a dorky hero. And, you know, the guy's like, I don't want to be in a superhero movie. Those are for dorks. And But uh, not realizing that they would soon take over the box office. But they were like, oh, yeah, you can be the next Tobey Maguire with Spider-Man. And they, they show him in, like, a fake movie. And it's like, there's, like, ten seconds where... The guy's wearing an Aquaman suit, and it looks pretty similar to the animated one. It's not as bad, but it's, like, if this were a real movie, I don't know. It's I'll say this. It looks like what Warner, like the WB or the CW, if there was an Aquaman TV show live action, it, this looks like the costume he would wear. And, uh, yeah, you can... I mean, if no one sees the show, you can just uh, image search Aquaman Entourage and you'll see kind of what he looked like. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. But uh, <laughs> blame James Cameron. That was his movie. that wasn't real. But, but, yeah, that's the only other live-action Aquaman I'm aware of. So uh, this looked better than that. But Wow. Wow. Uh... <laughs> This is, if, I, if I found the right image, this really doesn't look right. <laughs> well, there's there's two, I think. Um, yeah, one is... Um, I mean, one is the more traditional-looking one, but it looks kind of cheap-ish. Let's see. Let me look at what you had sent. That is... Oh, no, that's, that's the joke one that they presented him, and he was like, I'm not wearing that. <laughs> like, I'll be made fun of. <laughs> Oh, thank God. Uh, let me... Okay, here is the... Uh, yeah, I love that even Reddit has a uh, fake thread on it. James Cameron Aquaman went 15 years ago today in the Entourage universe. <laughs> Opening weekend, 116 million. <laughs> oh, that's right. He was he turned down the sequel and was replaced by Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> Yeah, let me, uh, here's the, uh, the Reddit thread that has the, I guess, the right costume, but, eh, 
that looks stupid. <laughs> yeah, like I said, it's like if CW made an Aquaman show, that's what he would look like. But, I mean, yeah, that that, that could have been... I mean, if, if Aquaman came out in 2002, that's not far off from what we would get, I don't think. <laughs> I really don't even want to contemplate what that movie would have looked like. And it's funny, because this movie has... The, the concept of an Aquaman movie... If I'm not mistaken, it's been in development since like 2004. It's, it's probably one of those never-ending, hey, let's do this project. Nah, that's stupid things until Man of Steel, if I'm not mistaken. I think you're right. It had been in development for a little bit. Ooh, thank God they waited. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> there's a there's a because 2000 because there's a big difference in the CGI 2004 and. Just even ten years after that, mm-hmm. and that's another thing I I think I've already talked about, but I just want to really reemphasize again: the quality of a lot of this uh, CGI is really, really great. It's, in particular, the sequences underwater. Like I think they did an edit where they replaced every actor's hair with uh, digitally edited hair to make sure they could have that flowing motion with it to. To have it look like it's underwater, and it is absolutely perfect. Mm-hmm. Another, I think another interesting fact about this is, uh, I think part of this, oh, it's funny. I was thinking about this. I was about to mention, um, I think Revenge of the Sith came out in two thousand five, and it's funny. I'm, I was thinking about that because according to some articles I'm reading, um, part of this, part of the VFX were edited by Lucasfilm. Hmm, interesting. Well, I'm glad you mentioned the hair. I forgot that. But yeah, the the hair always looked really good underwater. Absolutely. Especially on, like, Mira and Aquaman who have longer hair, so... Uh, but yeah, he came out of the cave. He's got the traditional suit. We think it looks better than the Entourage one, but that's by design. Uh, <laughs> elsewhere, Atlantis is off to conquer all the kingdoms. They start with the crab people, which they easily defeat. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not the only one who heard that stupid song from South Park. <laughs> no. Or chant. <laughs> but during the battle, because this is like after the leader has surrendered, but they're still fighting, uh, the giant sea monster from just a couple scenes ago, he emerges, sorry, she emerges, breaks through the ocean floor, Aquaman's riding on it, looked pretty cool. Huge battle erupts where the sea monster's just taking out all the Atlantean... Uh, I don't know. I guess there are ships, but sometimes they rode seahorses and sometimes they rode sharks, so whatever. Um, in the middle of all this, uh, this was weird. Aquaman gets a kiss from Mira <laughs> as everybody's fighting and dying around them. Yeah. Could have waited that's on one that my, one. That's one of my least favorite tropes. Yeah. We need to save as many lives as possible. You're right. Does something that does not proceed to allow people to sit that doesn't immediately allow them to save as many lives as possible. No. Uh, <laughs> but hey, um, it's way considering the last kiss we got between two people was uh, excuse me, Wonder Woman technically would be the last. But considering the first ever kiss in the DCEU we got between two people during a battle or during a climactic event is Superman and, Lo- and Lois making out on top of all the corpses in Metropolis. Uh, <laughs> I think we can cut them some slack here. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. 
So Aquaman fights off with Orm, easily defeats him, breaks his trident, and then Orm begs uh, Aquaman to kill him. When Atlana shows up, she's like, no, no more bloodshed. And Orm seems surprised to see his mom, which uh, makes me wonder, everybody said she was executed, how did no one know that she wasn't? (laughs) I don't know. Anyway. Aquaman is named the king, King Arthur, I guess. Uh, Volko has Orm arrested and puts him in a says put him in a cell with a view. Uh, Aquaman finishes off with a cool pose and we roll credits, but we get a mid credit scene. So Black Manta is rescued by a fishing boat, and the guy from before who believed that Atlantis from you know was actually a real place from the news. He is Dr. Shin, a.k.a. Agent Wu from the MCU, and Asian Jim from The Office. So, yet another DC Marvel crossover. Yeah, anyway, he finds Black Mana. Not sure how, but he did. And he looks over his helmet, saying, oh, this is Atlantean technology, isn't it? He's like, you have to tell me how it works. And Black Mana says, first, got to help me find him. And then he throws a dagger at a newspaper article about Aquaman. The end. Which uh, we'll still have to wait a couple more months. I guess, what, seven more months? Six more months? for uh, To see if he finds him or not. Absolutely. This one um, got heavily delayed by COVID, from what I understand. I think it was supposed to come out last year. It got delayed by a full year. Yeah. So I believe, if I recall this correctly, this is one of the films that was supposed to come out. I think The Flash is even also supposed to come out earlier. But then, as you said, COVID happened, which pushed everybody's movie and television production slates back a while. And it wasn't already something that was ready made. And then for Warner Brothers in particular, um, they they lost some money. They lost some money in trying to save some money, ironically. (laughs) And so they had to push back a multitude of the films and they only had enough money to put out Black Adam and uh, some rom-com, I think. And I, I can't tell you what the rom-com made, but uh, we all know that Black Adam uh, did okay at best. Yeah, well, now the writer's strike will uh, surely slow things down, too. So, it's always something. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just really quickly, just touching back on the end of the film. I, abs- I like that Mirror is the one to help advise him about how to take on Orm. And Aquaman know. Aquaman was arrogant, thinking he could just beat him the first time after getting his butt whooped. He seeks their advice, like, okay, so, I'm, yeah, I got the Triton, but I'm still in the water. I'm still in the water, and he's still as strong as he is. What do I do now? She's a teacher that's still to make him fight in his element, which works. Which is where he, which is where I get confused at to what we talked about just a little bit earlier about which people can breathe underwater and above sea, and which people can't. Uh, Volko. Mira, um, Aquaman's mother, and Ocean Master can, and so can King Orm, but it seems like everybody else either chooses not to take the mask off or doesn't, or can't. So maybe it's a matter, maybe it's something similar to the Kryptonians and Man of Steel, where, yeah, they they could do it, but it's it's going to be painful at first. Eh, That's fair. Yeah. Oh, um, I, I I almost forgot to mention. Um, 
some of the early reviews of Aquaman 2. Not great. <laughs> um, this one says, boring. Not as good as the first and potentially one of the worst DCEU films. Oof. So, I'll judge for myself, but uh, boring is never what you want to hear. Look, DC clearly told us exactly which films to put our faith in this year. Um, Flash. Th- yeah, they put all their... <laughs> I've seen Flash. This, this is the best marketing I've ever seen for a film. They clearly know where, they're, where, they're, where their money's going to be made. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like they're pushing out every positive review. They've, they've, they've advertised during the NBA uh, season and playoffs with crazy transitions that really getting you hyped up for this film. They did a Super Bowl ad, and I can't even remember the last time they did a Super Bowl ad. They clearly, they clearly said, "Hey, this movie's gonna be great." But what about the rest of the films? <laughs> well, they randomly the Flash is gonna be great. <laughs> they randomly let Tom Cruise watch it, and he loved it. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, I, I I think just a theory. I think it's because Flash is the only movie. That's going to actually affect the future James Gunnverse, I guess, of DC. So that would be my guess. So Aquaman probably is not going to tie in, maybe at all. I don't know. Maybe they'll throw in an end credit scene that will make sense, but I don't know. It's uh, it would be very disappointing because I liked uh, the first Aquaman, which I guess uh, we can now grade it. I will say... I'll go first this time. You know, the plot was pretty straightforward. Um, You know, guy doesn't want to be king, gets pressured into it, does it, becomes king. You know. But uh, it was fun for what it was. The effects were good. The fight scenes were good. It's a fun movie. I liked it. Um, Not boring, which apparently the next one might be, but... uh, I'm going to go with a 7 out of 10 for Aquaman. Oh. Well, my score is actually uh, one point higher. Um, the only negative points I have for this film is that the CGI in the desert that like I talked about really didn't hold up that well and honestly looked really bad. And then some of the plot elements aren't really explained as well as they could be. In particular, like you mentioned, who can breathe above and below. Um why he wants to pursue the surface world now as opposed to any of the past years where he's been king. Because even if they just made it clear that this has always been his goal and his father died a couple months ago or something and he's been preparing for this, I feel like that would have made the plot a bit more effective. But ultimately, I think the point is still brought across and... These these problems I have with the film are relatively minor, um, because because this film still has some of my, the best cinematography in the DCEU, amazing VFX. Um, Little Mermaid is coming out this year, and I'm sure a lot of the effects of the flowing hair and the appearance of creature of human people humans underwater is really going to be played into effect, especially given that. The studio Disney owns helped produce this film, so it's essentially it's revolutionary in that aspect. Uh, got a good score in most parts. Really great action, <laughs> like the the transition from watching one side of the fight with 
with Mira and the soldiers to watching Aquaman take on Black Manta was really great. And I won't say the story is great, but it's definitely good. And you can do a lot with just a good story. And they absolutely did that here. So I'm going to give Aquaman an eight out of ten. And All right. And to preference that, I'm just going to say, as the DCEU is coming to an end this year, Aquaman was definitely in my top five for all the DCEU films. Oh, yeah. I would say top three, maybe. I'd have to, to think about it, but uh, it, it, it'd have a potential to be in top three. Well, I already mentioned it. Uh, next week is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which... Uh, I cannot believe a movie that came out in 2019, sorry, 20, well, the end of 2018, is not streaming for free on one of the big major platforms, especially when the sequel's right around the corner, but <clears throat> Hulu, if you have a premium subscription, or oh, you can rent it on Prime for $3.59, it's on Sling, I think I might have FX now, it says free with cable, I have cable, maybe I get it there, so... I don't know. Do your best, but that is next week. Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. So, back to an animated movie. Interesting. Really quickly, what a time for 2000... What a time 2018 was. Oh, I know. It was... uh, (laughs) (laughs) We had... This might be our best year yet, but... uh, Absolutely. We had Black Panther, Avengers Infinity War, Deadpool 2, Incredibles 2, Ant-Man and Wasp, Venom, Aquaman... I mean, the lowest rated movie was uh, Venom at six and a half, so not bad. Yeah, this was. Yeah, this is this is the this is probably one of the best years in comic book history, comic book movie history, rather. And. Yeah, and it's not even it's, over. <laughs> and no, that's the that's the that's the. In retrospect, this it's amazing how how action packed this year was of great stories and great movies. And Aquaman is definitely among the best in DC, so it's it's really good to finally see a DC movie that was not only well received but also made money. Because God knows these other movies were not hidden for a long time. Yeah, no, like I said, they uh, they really needed this, and um, it's going to be uh, rough goings for DC coming up, <laughs> unfortunately. But... Yeah. Eh, it is what it is, so I have a final quote. This is a first. This was not from the movie, but uh, I had to do it, because I don't know if and when Nicole Kidman will pop back up. I suppose Aquaman too. but... <clears throat> we come to this place for magic. We come to AMC theaters to laugh, to cry, to care, <laughs> because we need that, all of us. That indescribable feeling we get when the lights begin to dim and we go somewhere we've never been before. Not just entertained, but somehow reborn. Together. Dazzling images on a huge silver screen. Sound that I can feel. Somehow, heartbreak feels good in a place like this. Our heroes feel like the best part of us. And the stories feel perfect and powerful. Because here, they are. AMC Theatres. We make movies better. <laughs>